Welcome to the Go and Teach Bible Study program presented by the Monta Vista Church of Christ in Phoenix, Arizona. We want to thank you for joining us today as we examine the truth of God's Word and the answers it holds to life's most important questions. If you have questions about this lesson or would like to study further, please contact us at montavistacoc.com. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word together. Well, good morning, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Go and Teach Bible Study program. If you're in the Phoenix area and you're looking for a place to worship the Lord today, we'd love to have you come and visit with us over at the Monta Vista Church of Christ. We are a a friendly group of people who are interested in serving the Lord. We're interested in sticking as closely as we possibly can to the New Testament direction of how to organize the church. And we would love to, to have you come and worship with us, love to get to know you. If you're interested in setting up a personal Bible study, we'd also love the opportunity to sit down one on one and study God's Word with you. If you're interested in worshiping with us or studying with us or just finding out more about what we believe, we'd love to have you uh, visit our website at montavistacoc.com. This morning I want to talk for just a little bit about self-deception. I find it really interesting how easy it is for us to convince ourselves of things. When we tell ourselves something over and over and over again, how we just begin to believe what we tell ourselves. One of my favorite guilty pleasures is actually watching Food Network. And one of the, the shows on Food Network that I really love is a show called Chopped. They put four chefs to the test. And they make them cook all kinds of crazy ingredients uh, within a short period of time and see what kind of dishes that they can come up with. One of the things I love about this show, though, at the beginning, they do these interviews of the contestants. And every contestant, when they come in, they're so proud of themselves. They think they're just the best cooks on the planet and that they're just going to knock this competition out of the park. But when it really comes down to it and they're actually put to the test, a lot of them fall flat on their face. And it's hard for them to even boil water in some cases. These shows tell me that We can really convince ourselves that we're great at what we do, but when we're really put to the test, are we great? Are we the kind of people that we tell ourselves that we are? Maybe you struggle with this too. I do. Maybe you convince yourself that your relationships are better than they are. Maybe you convince yourself that your habits aren't as bad as they really are. Maybe you just convince yourself that Your spiritual walk with God is better than it really is. The way I see it, we might deceive ourselves in one of two ways. The first way, we might know that we're practicing evil, and we might hope that nobody finds out. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that nobody's looking because if I hide it good enough, nobody's going to find out. But another way that we can deceive ourselves is to live in sin ignorantly, without knowledge, and think that we're actually doing okay. It's like walking up to a mirror, looking at your face, seeing that giant smudge of dirt on your face, and walking away 
convinced that you look fine. Without doing anything about it, without removing the smudge from your face, just walking away from the mirror, convincing yourself that you're okay. Do we deceive ourselves? In order for us, though, to avoid self-deception, we really need to get real with ourselves. We need to wake up. And we need to see ourselves honestly and clearly the way God sees us. One of these days, in judgment, we're all going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of our actions. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, Paul tells the Corinthian church there that every one of us will stand before God someday and give an account for the deeds that we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Is God going to bring up something on that day that's going to be a surprise to us? Something that we've deceived ourselves or we've overlooked in our life? A lot, of, a lot of religious people on that day are going to be shocked to hear him say, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount that a lot of religious people on that day are going to be surprised because they thought they were prophesying in the name of the Lord. They were doing wonderful things in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. That's going to be the day when we'll all be forced to get real. If we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we're living righteously when we're really living in sin, we're going to be surprised on that day in judgment. But if we've been honest with ourselves, if we've addressed the sin in our lives with fear and trembling and honesty in this life, we're going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. This morning, I want to look at one of the Psalms. If you have a Bible and you're able to, please turn with me over to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is probably in the top five of all of the Psalms in my book. I, I love Psalm 139. And I love, I love Psalm 139 because David is making an honest plea to God. At the very end, verse 23 and 24, David is making a sincere and honest plea to God to help him get over the difficulties and roadblocks in his life. But this is only after David has spent the first 22 verses here really talking about how amazing God is, how God knows everything, how God is everywhere, how God created everything, and how God is going to punish those who are wicked. I love this psalm because at the very end, David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is something that David had confidence to say to God and something that we, if we want to get honest with ourselves, if we want to get real with ourselves, we need to be able to say this as well. We need to be able to tell God, search me. David knew that honest self-examination was a very difficult thing, which is why he's calling on the almighty, all-knowing God to do the searching. He's asking, search me, O God, and know my heart. Back in Psalm 19, David is also speaking to God about his sin and about investigating him. And he says in Psalm 19, verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Really, David is saying, it's hard to look at ourselves honestly. Who can understand all of the ways that you've sinned and transgressed God? 
He's asking God to cleanse him. The reality is searching for sin on our own can be very difficult, but not when we ask God to help us. It's interesting if you've ever been in a situation where you've been looking for something. Searching for things that that you've lost or misplaced. I, I am always looking around for my sunglasses, and it turns out they're always on my head. You know, I'm really bad at looking for things, especially when it comes to matters of the heart, especially when it comes to things that are going on in my mind and in my, in my attitude, in my reactions. But God is aware of all of our thoughts. He's aware of all of our ways. If you look here in Psalm 139 and verse 2, David says, You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God knows everything. He knows everything about us. While we might be able to hide our thoughts from others, God knows exactly what you're thinking. When you think about it, God must be looking at our hiding places sometimes and just laugh at how silly that we act sometimes. I've, I've got a two-year-old daughter who likes to play hide-and-seek, and she'll go and she'll try to hide somewhere, and inevitably, I can always see her. You know, maybe she's hiding underneath a bench or behind a chair somewhere. I can always see her feet. You know, I, I can always see her back. She's very bad at hiding. And when you really think about it, isn't that what God must be thinking when he looks at us and where we try to hide things, where we try to stuff secret sin away into our life? He knows exactly where we're trying to hide things from him. And what an awesome God that we serve that can even know what's going on in the secret places of our hearts. So if you want to begin honestly examining yourself, if you want to get over self-deception, you need to start by asking God to help you, asking God to search you, because he already knows. He already knows everything about you. And we need to ask him to search us and to know our heart. And then David in verse 23 here says, try me and know my anxieties. This is so interesting because this is so against what most of us normally want to do. We don't, we don't want to be put to the test. We don't want to be tried. We don't want to be put on trial. But that's exactly what David is asking for here. When you look over in 1 Peter in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, Peter understood that we need to be put to the test to see if our faith is genuine. 1 Peter 1 verse 6, Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's saying, you're going through a lot of trials right now, and this is something that you should greatly rejoice in. Because when you are able to, to come out on the other side of those trials stronger, more pure, when we're able to see that our faith is genuine, that we will receive praise, honor, and glory after that is done. You know, I always hated tests in school. 
probably because I wasn't very good at them. But now I really understand how valuable those tests were. We're never going to know what we know until we're forced to use that knowledge. We're never going to know what our weaknesses are until we put ourselves to the test. A lot of times, and most commonly, I think, in our prayer, we pray for peace and safety. We ask that God would lead us away from temptation. And I think these are all good things. We, we should be praying for peace. We should be praying that, that we're led away from temptation. But David was brave enough to go to God and ask God to put him to the test. What a brave request that he asked. You know, and, and how, how does David know that he's following God with all of his heart and all of his soul if he's not putting it to the test in his life? Again, we, our little two-year-old daughter is, is getting done with swim lessons, this uh, infant survival swim lesson course that she's been doing. And, and this past week, she was actually had her final lesson. She was put to the test. They threw her in the pool in all of her clothes, and they wanted her to, to swim and then turn over and float to catch a breath and then swim, turn over and float to catch a breath and, and try to make it to the step. And they let her do that all on her own without any help, without any support, because they want to know at the end of this, if your child falls in the pool, are they going to survive or are they going to drown? Because they're trying to train them to survive. When, when we're thrown in the pool of trial, when we're thrown in the pool of, of difficulty and struggle and temptation, are you going to survive? Are you going to pass the test? Or are you going to fail? You, are you going to crumble under the pressure? The great part about testing here on this earth is that after the testing is done, we can make corrections. We can become stronger. We can cover those weak points of the armor of our faith. But if we wait to test ourselves until judgment day, well, it's going to be too late to make corrections at that point. And so we need to have a very different view of trials, a very different view of tests. Do we, do we value trial? Are we rejoicing when we have an opportunity to prove our faith? And that's a very different mindset than maybe we might be naturally inclined to have because we don't want to be put to the test. We don't want to be tried. But it's only then that we're going to know, are we deceiving ourselves, Or can we actually be the kind of people that Christ would have us to be? Here in verse 24 of Psalm 139, David goes on and he says, And see if there is any wicked way in me. He's asking God to see in me. Over in the New Testament again, uh, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul reminds us that we have a great responsibility to lay off the old man of sin and to be no longer entangled by that old man. And that's really what I think David is asking here in Psalm 139. He's saying, see in me, God, and, and know if, if, if I'm entangled in, in sinfulness, if I'm stuck in some wicked habit, some, some wicked way. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off all of these, 
anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. The fact is, we're not going to be able to cling to a life of sin, have these sinful, wicked ways in our life, and still call ourselves followers of God. If we're not honest with ourselves, if we lie to ourselves, if we deceive ourselves and convince ourselves that we're so good and that we're doing so well, God's not going to be fooled. God is not going to be convinced by that. God is only going to be convinced when he looks at the pathway that our feet walk and if he sees that we're walking on the narrow way that leads to life. What weaknesses do you struggle with? And I think that's a very important question for us all to ask ourselves. What weaknesses do I struggle with? Because it's easy for us to acknowledge obvious faults. It's easy for us to acknowledge faults that just stand out and are very bright. But are we willing to dig deep and see if there are things under the surface that, that people don't directly see? Things like anger, things like bitterness, jealousy fear, covetousness, doubt, all of these things that we can easily hide in our heart, things that we can hide away from people, but that God sees. You see, Satan is aware of our weaknesses because he prowls around like a roaring lion and he wants to devour us. He wants to eat us. He knows, he knows what our weaknesses are and he attacks them at every opportunity he can. Are you aware of your weaknesses? It always reminds me of these bank heist movies or these spy movies where they're, where they're trying to get into some lockdown protected area. And so they sit down and they make a plan. And inevitably, there's always some critical weakness of the bank or of the vault or of the, of the locked room. And so they always list out all of the, the, the weaknesses of the area. And then they try to exploit those. That's exactly what Satan is doing with us. He's looking at us. He's looking where our weaknesses are, and he's making a plan to exploit them. Do you, do you struggle with pornography and sexual sins? Satan is just waiting for an opportunity to get you in front of the computer, in front of the internet. Do you struggle with, with drinking? Do you struggle with intoxication? Satan is just waiting for an opportunity to show you a commercial on television or to put you in a situation with your friends where you feel compelled to or forced to go out and drink socially. The goal is not just to know what our weaknesses are, though, but it's to make correction. Because it's one thing for us to know. It's one thing for us to acknowledge. And I think that's another way that we can be deceived is that we know that we have sin in our life. We've acknowledged it, but we just hide it away. And we don't do anything with it. We don't make a correction about it. And so we need God to see if there's any wicked way in our life. And we need to know that he's watching and that he already sees. And then David here in verse 24 of Psalm 139 asks God to lead him in the way everlasting. Jesus told us that he wants us to walk the narrow road that leads to life. And he's paved that way for us so that we can follow in his steps. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 
In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. It's only when we've come through these tests of our faith successfully that we can know that we're walking down the road that leads to life, that we can know that we're being led toward an everlasting and eternal home. It always strikes me as interesting when I read throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, when I read these great characters of faith who were so confident, who were able with with such boldness to say that they had a home prepared for them in heaven, that they were going to heaven. How could they say that with such boldness? How could they say that with such confidence? Isn't that puffed up? Isn't that haughty? Isn't that proud? Well, no, because they were honest with themselves and they submitted themselves to regular testing. They submitted themselves to regular trial. And every time they came through that test, every time they came through that trial, they were able to see, they were able to know that their faith was genuine, that their faith was sincere, and that they were walking down the narrow road that led to life. And that's really, that's really such a a great picture here. What road are you on? What way are you following? In Psalm 139 in verse 24 here, David says, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So am I on the wicked way or am I on the everlasting way? The fact is, it's only God who can lead us home. It's only God who can direct us down that narrow way. We can't blaze our own trail. We can't make up our own rules. But we need to follow the commands of God. And it's not about just supplementing the well-being in our life. It's not about just following these commands that God has given us because it, it leads us to a better and more fulfilling and happy life. It's because he deserves our honor. It's because God deserves our praise for all eternity. He deserves our respect. He deserves us to follow him. If righteousness is the way to everlasting life, then wickedness is going to lead us to death and suffering. And so which path are you going to choose? Who are you going to allow to lead you? Are you going to allow God to lead you? Or are you going to lead yourself? Are you going to be led by wickedness? And so the request here of David was such an honest request, such a genuine request. But that's what we need to do in our own life. Because it can be so easy for us to deceive ourselves, to convince ourselves of things, to tell ourselves that we're doing so good when really God is not pleased with us at all. We need to be honest. We need to look at the mirror and we need to pray to God to search us, to try us, to see if there's wicked ways within us and to lead us down the path to everlasting life. And while that might be a very difficult thing for us, while it might be hard for us to be that honest with ourselves, the result of these things is going to be an eternal home with God in heaven. But if we convince ourselves that eh, we're doing fine, we don't need to we don't need to work at at 
making changes in our life. We don't need to be honest with ourselves. Let, let's just let's just like the ostrich, stick our head down in the sand and and just overlook all of the things going on in our life. Then at judgment, when all of our life is laid open and bare for God to judge, what is he going to say? Are we going to be shocked? Are we going to be surprised? Or will we have tested ourselves beforehand and made the corrections that we need to make so that he can look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for joining us today. To hear this program again, please visit our website at montavistacoc.com. If you're in the Phoenix area, come visit us at the Montavista Church of Christ. We're located at 2202 North 40th Street. We have Bible classes for all ages each Sunday morning at 9.30 and again on Wednesday night at 7. For more information about the Montavista Church of Christ or to request a personal Bible study, please go to montavistacoc.com. Hallelujah.